Are you ready? It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Avenue. Cheers, everyone. Welcome on a somewhat snowy Wednesday night here in January, but it's Inauguration Day, January 20th. You'd expect some snow in western New York this time of year. Yeah, snow and cold, and we definitely got a little bit of both. No doubt about that. So, uh, Tom, give us a quick rundown of the show we've got tonight. All right. We're going to talk about some of the new head coaching hires and some of the jobs still available. We're going to recap some of the divisional round. We're going to talk a little bit early preview. Some may say too early, but I say never too early to look at the quarterback carousel and how things are already in motion. We're going to talk about the championship games, championship Sunday coming up, and we're going to preview the UFC 257. All right. Let's kick it off with a recap of last weekend in the NFL. Yeah, um, our wagers on the podcast did not do well last, last week. We both went one and three, uh, had some tough losses too. Uh, a lot of unders hit, which was a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. I think we had a couple overs listed. It didn't even come close. Yeah, I mean, um, when, I, when I look at games like that uh, Kansas City-Cleveland game, that looked like it was going to scream over yeah. pregame. And then it goes, it was, what, 19 to whatever, and then that fumble out of the end zone, which would have tightened up that game, or 16, to, it would have made it like 16-10. I think it could have just picked up the pace of that game a little bit had that not happened to end the half there and slow and really screech that, that scoring pace to a halt. Um so it didn't even get close to the number, which was like 56 yeah. on game day, and it finished at 39. So A lot of wind in Buffalo. Um, I think we got screwed by the weather people. Even at the game, they're saying 9-mile-per-hour winds. There's no way. No. Those go- As you're watching the game, the goalposts are shifting. Yeah. I don't know what the hell they're on. But and then the under in the Rams-Packers game that I had went nowhere. That's, yeah. That was not even close. Um, yeah. Tampa Bay was the only thing that I was you know, kind of on the right side of there. Yeah, my only win was the, I got the under in the, the Bills-Ravens game. But. Yeah, rough weekend. Yeah. Hopefully we can improve on that this weekend. I mean, there's only two games to pick from, so, um, but I don't love either of them, so. You know, <laughs> I know. That kind of gives you a state. I, I'm going to be, you know, staking my claim to some UFC picks here more than anything <laughs> else, I think, this week, so. Um, Let's talk about the games that we saw about town and uh, what, what we witnessed in those championship games, you know, for those divisional round games. And uh, let's start right with that Rams-Packers game. Yep. So the Packers, I mean, they never looked in danger in this game, really. They got out to a good start. and Outgained them by 204 yards. Yeah. Looked like the better team. The Rams defense disappointed for me, really. I thought yeah. they would be able to do more. And the Packers just looked like they're really hitting on all cylinders right now uh, on the offensive yeah. side of the ball, and they did it, uh, they did well enough defensively. So it's a, you know, that's a scary team to deal with right now, this Packers team, so it'll be very interesting to see how that shakes out. They ran the ball for 188 yards in that game, but I will say Aaron Donald looked like a shell of himself, and I feel like that 
played a major, major impact on the way that that defense could play or, or perform. Yeah, for sure. And he looked very frustrated at the end of the game. Like, you know, he just didn't have what he's used to having and couldn't make as big of an impact. And it definitely showed sometimes he was, you know, not effective at all where you're used to seeing him cause chaos. Yeah, all the time. It's crazy. Yeah. So, um, you know, the, the Packers advance 32 to 18. Pretty casual. And they'll host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we'll have to which we'll get to in a few minutes. Um, next up is that Bills Ravens game on Saturday night. Yeah, real close game um, between the wind knocking down field goals and knocking down long passes. Uh, very close to um, defensive game that ended up being turned on its head and really one one big play. Yeah, um, you know, you're looking at potentially a tie game there. Yeah, but at least nothing else would kick a field goal to make it 10-6, yeah. yeah. Um, changed the, the way that the score really looked in that game. But and the, the rest of the game, I mean, that was the end of the third quarter and then the rest of the game seemed like, you know, then, then the Ravens get the ball back and they're deep in their own territory. They're trying to make things happen and long snap over the head and we're scrambling for balls and Lamar Jackson gets hurt and that was it. Yeah. You know, when you when you take a look at the, the stats, uh, the Bills got outgained by 120 yards in the game. Uh, it's a game that Baltimore really moved the ball a little bit better than Buffalo did. Um, 4.7 yards per play to 4.0 yards per play. Uh, the passing numbers ended up being very um, equal. You know, th there was some late yardage um, gained by Baltimore that, that kind of skews those numbers a yeah. little bit. Um, Baltimore ran the ball for 150 yards. Buffalo ran for 32 yards. I think that Buffalo's going to need to show a little bit more balance this week. Um, you know, we'll get into the preview a little bit later in the episode for sure, but uh, you know, survive in advance and that's what you've done again. You know, and that's, you can do that in the playoffs. All the stats are really meaningless. Baltimore five fumbles didn't lose any of them. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, a couple of them, a lot of them were snaps. Yeah, you know, the, the snap issue. So those are those are much less likely to be, um, you know, turned over the snap issues out of the gun anyway. But yeah, still, you would think that that would be an opportunity for Buffalo to pick it up. Buffalo wins the, the turnover battle, and, and realistically, the the game shifted based on that turnover. So. One one play. Kansas City, Cleveland, a game full of ups and downs and just crazy turn of events for one football game. Uh, and just another game that was more defensively played than you would have expected going into it. Um, yeah, and, you know, Kansas City outgamed Cleveland by 130 yards in the game and averaged seven yards per play, and that includes time without Patrick Mahomes. But the big thing, the big takeaway for me was Kansas City's ability to run the ball a bit. Um, they had 123 rushing yards in this game. And, you know, really, the big story coming out of it is going to be Patrick Mahomes' health. Yeah. But we're at MMA fans. You know, we watch this stuff a lot. And the first thing that I saw after watching the replay was, I think he got choked out. I don't think that he hit his head. I don't see that he hit his head, and then you hear stuff coming out about a neck injury, and I think it was just a freak situation where he had pressure on both of his carotids, and it made him lose. He literally had basically been in a form of a blood choke that created him to be completely woozy. 
So it looks like he's going to clear concussion, concussion protocol um, because he never really had a concussion this week. So that makes for a much more excited AFC, exciting AFC championship game uh, where the guys, probably the two best quarterbacks in the AFC this year, or you know, you can say Deshaun Watson, but his team didn't perform, uh, would be right up there with them. But these are two of the top three in the AFC this year. So it'll be exciting to watch that duel happen on Sunday, Sunday evening. Yes, yes. Um, one thing that I took note of is Kansas City struggles in the red zone. Two of five in the red zone. Um, not used to seeing that out of them. They're usually They're really, creative. yeah, really creative, really um, good at coming up with ways to get uh, people the ball in space and get it in. So, something to watch going forward to next week. No question. And then the last game, the two old guys duking it out. Um, Tampa Bay dropping New Orleans, thirty to twenty. Uh, another game. Though, this one was pretty fun. Buck tied game going to the fourth quarter. What's going to happen? Not a super offensive game really here. I mean, the score isn't indicative of how the game was played. Uh, you you had some turnovers, four turnovers for the Saints. Yep. It's the difference in the game. It really yep. is. You know that that will change any game and tip it on its head. The total yards were the difference was negligible. It was 22 yards more for Tampa. You saw, you did see some success in the rushing game for Tampa. You know, they averaged 3.6 yards per carry, which is not a lot, but they sure were committed to it. They ran the ball 35 times, and I think they said, you know what, we're just going to, we're not going to be the team to make the mistakes. Let's force the mistakes with our great defense that we have on the other side. Eventually, the, the game comes to that way a lot yeah. of times. So I thought it was really well scripted out by the Tampa Bay offensive coaching staff. And, uh, you know, Aaron's, Aaron's does a nice job. Tom Brady's still got plenty left in the tank, man. He's, he's still got plenty there when he needed to. But that's the one thing I noted with Tom before the podcast was he had a note, he had notable velocity on his passes. He, he can still really put some pretty good steam on it. And, you know, the four remaining quarterbacks all can zip the football still, particularly the other three. Uh, but Tom Brady hasn't seemed to have lost it in the way that Drew Brees has when it comes to velocity at this point in his career. All right, let's talk about some of the head coaching hires here. All right. So we'll start with the Jaguars, yeah. who have turned to the biggest splash, right? Yeah, Urban Meyer, definitely the biggest name, getting a job here. Uh, famous college football coach, and been retired for a few years. Coming out of retirement and taking a run at the NFL. This should be really interesting to watch. I mean, he's got a lot of assets to work with in the offseason. I think he's going to have a big piece of the decision-making when it comes to personnel on that squad moving forward. Yeah. So you've got presumably Trevor Lawrence coming in to take over as the as QB1 in Jacksonville from day one. James Robinson they found some stuff with uh, in the backfield. They've got a number of other draft capital and tons of cap space. Yeah. So they can plug holes quickly. And they do have some young, talented players on that team. So yeah, they had one of our favorite drafts last last year. So yeah, should be interesting to see what he can do in the NFL. It's always interesting when, when successful college coaches get a call up like this. And you know, there's only a few guys in the last 20 years in college football who are more successful than Urban. I would say probably obviously Saban. That might be it. Yeah, 
And they talk about, yeah, that really is it. And yeah. they talk about the transition from coaching college players to coaching NFL players. Uh, these are grown men now that make more money than you do that you're telling what to do on a day-to-day basis. So it's more of a relationship building thing based, than, yeah. than a leadership, uh, you know, I'm the boss kind of thing. So we'll see, you know, how he translates to the next level. Some guys have had success with it. This, this has almost a Jimmy Johnson vibe to it, doesn't it? I mean, a guy who's won national championships in college, yeah. now gets the opportunity to come in with some early draft capital and a bunch of free agent capital. This this is this has a little of that Jimmy Johnson in the in the early nineties vibe. Yeah, it, it, a lot's gonna depend on Lawrence and what they can do around him. Yeah. That they need some they need some help on offense. besides just Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. In Atlanta we've got Arthur Smith taking over he uh, departs after uh, being the offense coordinator for Tennessee and He's, he's an interesting story. Um, had the opportunity to never really get involved in coaching, but it's the only thing he wanted to do. Um, and his offense has been really successful. He's done a really nice job. He, he creates kind of a, a really cute balance of run, pass, RPO stuff, read option stuff. He's going to have to play to the strengths of a different style quarterback here, yeah. a different style team that doesn't have that every down back you know, so it'll, it'll be interesting to kind of see what happens there. Yeah, I mean, he's already saying uh, he will be calling plays on offense as the head coach. I know it's always, some people hate it, some people love it. I don't mind it as long as you, the rest of the week, can still get the rest of your job done, right? The day of the game, it's not like you're not going to be included in decisions because you're calling plays. If anything, it keeps you more plugged into everything. But Do you know who our business father is? No. Fred, yeah. Frederick W. Smith is the founder of FedEx. Really? That's why I was saying he doesn't. He never has to. Never had to choose this path. Yeah. He, he could have just, you know, been a multi-millionaire, if not billionaire. Just hanging out. Yeah, doing doing what he wanted to do. But he did. He chose coaching, which is an interesting path to take. That's a hard hard road to take. But he he must truly love it. Um, spent some time as a grad assistant at UNC. Did a bunch of quality control stuff. Got on the Titans staff in uh, 2011, and has been with them ever since. So worked his way up from these quality control coach jobs uh, into being, you know, the tight ends coach and the offensive coordinator for the last two years. Yeah. Two, uh, the best two years the Tennessee's seen some time offensively, I would say. Yeah, they made the switch last year to Tannehill and really haven't looked back. Yeah. So I, I'm interested in that job. I, I think it's going to be uh, really fun to watch what he can do there. There's still plenty of tools. Uh, it's still a weird spot there with Atlanta because you have the quarterback who, I mean, how many more years does Matt Ryan have left? And a defense that just hasn't been good at all. Yeah. So you, and then you hire an offensive coordinator to come in and, you know, run back the same group. It'll be interesting to see what changes he can bring out on that offense and then what do they do on the defensive side. Trade Matt Ryan to San Francisco for the 12th pick and then draft Trey Lance so you've got a guy that can move a little bit of that team. Yeah. Just, just spitball, I'm just throwing something there and it's a long. Yeah. Um, Matt Ryan reunited with Kyle Shanahan from the last one. Robert Sala with the Jets. Yeah, our fave. Yeah. yeah well, Kevin and I are both big fans of him. I mean, Defense coordinator for the 49ers the last few years. Just 
seems like the kind of guy you want to play football for. Feels like he'll run through a wall for him. Yeah. It looks like he can probably run through a wall himself still. That would sound pretty impressive. Uh, I'm happy that he's going to be in our division because I've kind of enjoyed the Adam Gase years yeah. in Miami and now in New York. But yeah. all good things must come to an end. And it seems like we'll have a, a defense-oriented team. Um, question I had, actually, team name offensive coordinator. Um, I don't think we take a peek. I don't think the Jets have, have determined who it's going to be. Because I think that'll be a big factor. Because I, I think uh, you know, his role at defensive coordinator. Oh yeah, yeah. He brought, he's bringing Mike Lafleur with him. Uh, uh, that okay. was the run game coordinator in San Francisco. So you're going to see a similar style team. You're going to see a team built in the in the vein of a 49ers. You know, probably see some of that uh, outside zone run game stuff and play action game and you know that he's he's going to bring an OC with him that's not going to try and spread it out and throw it around and turn the ball over on him too much with his defensive background. Yeah, so Matt LaFleur's brother. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. And then Detroit, getting a guy we both know pretty well from future or past days, yeah. Danny Campbell. Yeah. Dan Campbell spent a little time as an interim head coach with Miami had success in that role. Um, you know, some success there. Did he play as a tight end for Miami? I know he played for a little bit in Buffalo. No, I don't think he spent any time playing in Miami. I think he was coaching there. But yeah, guy's definitely been around the league. Uh, not so much coaching. Yeah. Uh, which is something that I've seen a little bit about. Last few years, though, he has been the assistant to the head coach and then tight ends coach for the Saints. Uh, hasn't really been a coordinator anywhere. Right. Uh, but a, lot of, a lot made of that, and what what does Detroit see in him? Right. Um, I mean, he, he took over for the fired Joe Philbin um, and coached the last 12 games, and he went five and seven on the stretch of a team that wasn't very good. Yeah. Um, but there was definitely an early bump in energy for the entire group, and you felt like if there was a bar fight, and you had to have your favorite team's head coach, yeah. I, I'd take Dan Campbell. Yeah. Him or Sayla. That'd be pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't go wrong. No. And it'll be interesting to see. I think Detroit's another team like Atlanta. There you have the, the offenses in place. You have the quarterback who's getting up there, and, you know, are, you're not really going to be in, in win-now mode as the uh, first-year quarter or coach. You're thinking, how do I get to a Super Bowl? And well, Matt's probably not going to be here when I when we get there. So what do we do? Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do there as well in Detroit. And defensively, kind of I mean, they're they're bringing in Aaron Glenn, who was um, a secondary coach in New Orleans, and a great cornerback for years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now the question is, who's going to run that offense? And you know, there there are lots of options out there. I guess Mike Kafka, who's uh, the quarterbacks coach for the Chiefs, is is a candidate. Um, you know, they've, they've got Pep Hamilton um, is another guy, quarterback's coach for the Chargers. So there are people out there that, um, you know, they've got their eyes on, but they haven't really uh, honed in on who that offense coordinator is going to be yet. So you don't really know what that's going to look like. Yeah. I think it's important for Dan Campbell to get somebody that, you know, has a, has good minds. In, Probably in those play calling experience yeah. would be helpful as well. No doubt. Uh, let's talk about the jobs that have not been filled, yeah. and there's two of them, and they're ugly right now. Yeah. Uh, where do you want to start first, north or south? We'll, we'll go north first here. Philadelphia Eagles, 
having a hard time. Reportedly, Brian Dable is not interested. I know that they, they like reached out and he declined the interview. Uh, now, saying that he'd rather stay in Buffalo once some of the other jobs kind of went other directions. Yeah. <laughs> not a really good sign for the uh, Eagles. Yeah, and you know they've got some names that are that are really interesting on the list. You've got uh, Duke Staley, who was an assistant head coach with the Eagles already. Um, that's kind of like the homegrown name. Uh, Dennis Allen, the Saints defensive coordinator, he's you know been around a long time. He had an opportunity with the Raiders a number of years ago. Gerard uh, Mayo from Baker. Not that long ago that he was playing. No, um, he's a linebackers coach with the Pats now. I guess they interviewed Joe Brady, uh, the yeah. Panthers OC. Josh McDaniels was allegedly a candidate. Uh, Kellen Moore is the name that's really stood out here. Really? Yeah, Kellen Moore just signed an extension as the Cowboys offensive coordinator, and uh, he was in town. They extended their interview with Nick Sirianni, who's the Colts offensive coordinator. And uh, Todd Bowles is the other guy who was interviewed. Uh, you know, Todd Bowles is been around, been a head coach, um, had his opportunity in New York there, and turns out the Jets were better with Todd Bowles, a lot better than they were after they let him go, yeah. so, um, you know, maybe he didn't do such a bad job no, no. in New York. Uh, it, it just seems interesting, I mean, you have a quarterback problem once you, day one, if you take this job, you'd probably like to have a conviction of which one do you like, Carson or Jalen, and figure out what you're going to do there. So that should be interesting. It'll be fun to see who gets that job and then what direction they go. Yeah. Well, let's go to the bigger mess. That is in Houston. Um, reports out of Houston that, team, again, a lot of people are not too high on this job. You have Deshaun Watson basically saying he's played his last down for Houston. Trade me. And then the Texans came out and said that they were willing to accommodate J.J. Watt by trying to trade him as well. I mean, yuck. They're going to go, to in the last two years, if, if both those guys get traded, of course, they would have traded away Hopkins, J.J. Watt, and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Three three of the top 100 players, so three of the top 50 players in the NFL. It's a complete reset, and I would need a guarantee, a lot of guaranteed money. From give me some years. Give me some years, too, of goodness. Yeah. yeah, you'd have to tell me that I'm, give me three years. Don't judge me until the end of year three. You yeah. Know? But they, um, they got some of the same... Uh, kind of same people. They both, it, it, the enemy did get an interview there after the yes. controversy. Um, but if I'm the enemy, I'm telling them to take the job and shove it. I'll shove stay it in OC yeah. in KC for another year, and next year my stock will be even higher, you know. Yeah, that, I mean, if you're an offensive coordinator, what there, you know, if you're an offensive minded guy, what's there that, like, is drawing to you? Right. Leslie Frazier, near and dear to your heart. Yeah. Uh, David Cully and Matt Eberflus, the, the guys that they say are the the candidates that are most likely at this point or at the top of the list yeah. would be Joe Brady, Josh McDaniel, Matt Eberflus, and Eric Bieniemy. Those are the prime remaining candidates. Yeah. They have interviewed Marvin Lewis. Um, yeah. I know he deserves another shot. Give him those options. Set up shops somewhere. That's a good, good place for him if they give him the time. That Bengals team, I mean, I know the knock on them is they didn't win playoff games. They were in the playoffs all the time. That team wasn't that great. Yeah. He coached them up. A fine football coach, that man. Absolutely. So, you know, that's kind of the roundup of what we're looking at with the head coaches right now. It's 
pretty chaotic, a bit hectic, but only six openings, um, you know, that we know of. Yeah. <laughs> Something weird happens, like, you know, the next year. Onward, Tom. Quarterback carousel time. Let's do it. All right. Let's talk a little bit about just the craziness that's going to be this offseason. Uh, reports are Drew Brees has played his last game in the NFL. Philip Rivers has formally made the announcement. So we have two vacancies already created. And let's talk about some free agents. Yeah. Um, Dak Prescott, free agent in Dallas. All signs point to the Cowboys keeping him, but as of today... Still, still going to be a free agent. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky is going to be a free agent from Chicago. Um, what happens there? They still have Foles. That seems like a bit of a mess. Um, and then the interesting Jameis Winston. Does he step up and take over for, for Drew Brees in New Orleans? Does he go somewhere else? Let's let's take a step back on this. And before we dive too much into who's available right now, let's let's run through each division really quick and talk about okay. whether or not we think there's going to be a quarterback opening there. Okay. Uh, Buffalo, no. Uh, New England, yes. Yeah, I mean, like Cam Newton's a free agent, so. Jets, question mark. Jets is a big question mark, and, and that that's how this carousel starts, right? Yeah. So if the Jets' new coach there, uh, Salah says, I don't like this guy. Yeah. Gets rid of Darnold. Well, now Darnold's available to yeah. go somewhere else. We got this spot open. Dolphins, probably not, unless it's for Deshaun Watson. That's the only way that that's going to change. For sure. um, otherwise, they're they're going to stay the course with two. Yeah. Um, AFC South. Um, we've got uh, Jacksonville. We know what, who's going to be plugging in there. Right? Yeah, Trevor uh, Lawrence. Yeah, just Trevor Lawrence. Still a new, still a new um, quarterback, but yes. Ryan Tannehill's with Tennessee long term. Yep, he's, he's locked in, loaded. Cincinnati and Joe Burrow. Uh, that's the North. Cincinnati, um, Houston. That's Deshaun Watson. Presumably. Sounds like he's out of there. It sounds like he's probably going to be leaving. Colts. Um, Colts, that's a question mark. We don't know who it's going to be. Phillip Rivers is out and Brissett's a free agent. So. Yeah. so the AFC South's got a lot of, there, there's some shaking up could be, there. Yeah, it could be three new quarterbacks to start the season. Yeah, well, two. Well, I guess we can tell you I've already penciled him in. I feel like he's <laughs> already the Jaguars quarterback. Let's <laughs> go <laughs> um, north. Yeah, north. Um, Roethlisberger, is he going to play? Pittsburgh, yeah, we don't know we if don't Big know. Ben's going to... We do know that the other three teams, Baltimore, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, are, are going to stay pat with their their uh, current quarterbacks, obviously Lamar and uh, Baker, getting them into the playoffs. He's, he's fine. He's, he's doing a fine job, Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah. When, when we talk about him, he's, he's not a guy that I feel like you need to focus on replacing. I think uh-huh. he can make all the throws, and if he can tighten up some of his decision-making and, and get him some more weapons outside. I mean, right now, with the the Beckham injury, yeah, it was rough. they were they were running lean outside with Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones. So. I mean, that team's a, a good football team right now. They need some help on a couple spots on defense where you have Miles Garrett and it seems like everybody else is just kind of clinging on. Yeah. Um, you get some more, just not even great players on defense, they just need some more solid yeah. NFL players over there. I love that offensive line. I love the running backs. Yeah. Good. A combination. I say every time. Man, they have two running backs that are better than anyone we have in the Bills. What I envy more than anything is when a football team has a solid offensive line where your quarterback's not getting sacked and a great running back. You know, yeah. when you can have those things, like everything else can come together for you. 
I'm going to guess the Chiefs are good. AFC West, yeah. I think Carr's still in Oakland. I think Herbert's there. Herbert's definitely in Denver. I, I, think, knows. I think they're going to continue with Drew Locke, but I don't know for sure. I think they want to give him a full year, but who knows. They, who knows? I certainly would be drafting another quarterback. Yeah. Maybe not in the first round, you know? Sure. But Somebody to bring in and compete. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I don't care. Yeah. Kyle Trask. Give me somebody. Somebody. somebody pick up, I mean, they could pick up somebody, one of these other free agents that are not going to get a starting game. He could be disposable if a, if an opportunity came with the right quarterback. Sure. Um, you know, move to the NFC, NFC East. We don't know what's going to happen with Dallas and, and back Prescott. Uh, Presumably he's going to be back there. I think that that emotion on his face when he was being carted off the field in Dallas and the way that the crowd and everybody was receiving him at that time. and uh, it, To me, I just felt like this is a Dallas guy long term. Yeah, he said all the right things so far about it all in the offseason. Uh, the Eagles, we kind of talked about there. I mean, I imagine their quarterbacks on their roster, but which one and do right. both of them stay? Right. I think that'll be the interesting thing. The Giants, though, that's an interesting one. Do they stick with Daniel Jones? I think they do. I think they, I think they give him another year. I think they would like to upgrade the position if this possible. Is, this to me is, uh, he feels like Ryan Tannehill felt in Miami. Like, he has the potential to do a lot of things. The situation hasn't been perfect. Tell me the weapons on that offense. He didn't have Barkley this year. He lost him in week one or week two. And then Darius Slayton, I mean, Golden Tate. That, yeah, it's uh, just an old, an aged Golden Tate, I mean, he's not what he used to be. Yeah, Sterling Shepard, I mean, can you give this guy somebody to throw the freaking football to? And their line's still no good. Yeah. I, I just, he turns the ball over so much. Did the Washington football team find a quarterback in Taylor Heineke? No. I don't think so either. That was a flash in the pan moment. Yeah. Uh, everybody that was all up in arms after that, uh, because Heineke played well in, in that game, it was it was literally the poof it's going to be nothing in the NFL long term. I'm sorry, Taylor, yeah. <laughs> but that's just not, yeah, he's what, not an NFL quarterback. What do they end up doing? Do they keep the name Washington football team for another season? I don't think so. People, Can we get odds on that? I'd like them to stick with it. I yeah. don't even want them to change it anymore. I've said multiple times that I feel people will stop saying Washington Redskins once they actually get an actual new moniker. Yeah. I think it's hard to remember it because there's nothing mm-hmm. there to remember. But when DC just call them the football team, you know, it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. And, uh, all right, let's move to the AFC, NFC. or NFC North. All right. Packers. It's solid. Minnesota's going to continue with Cousins. Uh, Stafford. I think they're going to continue with Stafford. I think that he is a, a trade candidate. He's awesome. Yeah. You know, he's, he's got plenty Left in the tank, if you ask Seems me. Like but it, yeah. he's got some injury issues. Yeah, that back from. last year, not not 2020, but 2019 yeah. was scary. Yeah. And then the question is what the Bears do. So they Bulls. they are absolutely a team that is involved in the carousel conversation. So uh, NFC South now. Um, Saints. Saints, we don't know. Taysom uh, yeah. Hill. Taysom Hill. Famous Winston is a free agent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what a mess. Yeah. I don't know what they're going to be moving forward. I'm still perplexed about how when... Okay, let's back up. If Jameis Winston was your guy, mm-hmm. why is he not playing over Taysom Hill I know. when Brees is out? Right. doesn't make any sense. Right. They were trying to see if Taysom Hill was the long-term guy because well, you don't Jameis, get Winston was, a Jameis was just there on a one-year deal. 
Don't you want to see what he's got to? Um, it's so weird. Comes in and throws a touchdown pass right away last week. Yeah. So see ya. I'm gonna go back over here. Yeah. Uh, Tampa Bay. I'm gonna guess Brady plays until he's 60, so yeah. he'll he'll run it back. I'm sure. Yeah. Although maybe if they win the Super Bowl, he'll just be like, "See ya, Bill. Uh, yeah. I got one without you. Bye." Right. Um, no question of the year. If the Buccaneers win the Super Bowl, do does Tom Brady at the Super Bowl parade say? Hey, Bill Belichick, how's my ass taste? I don't think so. I don't think that he's got that jack in him. No, but it would be amazing, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see. Carolina. Carolina. Uh, they're going to they're gonna be I'm in the market. I gotta yeah, they're looking. You, you know, uh, Bridgewater did okay as a stopgap. Yeah. But they want a long-term answer, and I don't think it's him. Yeah, but where they're drafting makes it hard to get one in there, so maybe they'll be in the market for one of these guys that gets kicked around. Right. And then the Falcons, we talked a little bit about uh, Matt Ryan. I mean, I, if I'm Atlanta, I'm keeping Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's really good. Mm-hmm. I don't think the offense is the problem there in general. They could run the ball better, don't get me wrong. But. NFC West, the only question mark is in San Francisco where we don't know. They can cut ties with Jimmy Garoppolo for next yeah. to nothing right now. Are you sure? Yeah. I'm I, not. Yeah, I'm no, no, yeah. not about the Niners. Oh, whether well, they're going to cut ties. No, about the Rams not being... Oh, yeah, I don't think they're going to move on from Goff. He's, I think he might still have guaranteed money on it. There still seems to be a little bit of... Uh, McVay's not happy with him. Well, I, I think he's got another year with a bunch of guaranteed money on it still. It doesn't mean they can't make a move and have him be an expensive backup for one season. It doesn't, but I, I don't think that Goff was the issue. I'm not sure he's the, the answer either. He's not. He's so, never been. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 this team know, is loaded. They, they, and they need to win now. So is there a win now option that is that much of an upgrade over Jared Goff? If you are Detroit, would you flip Stafford for Goff in a no. draft pick? No. Knowing that as the Detroit Lions, you're not going anywhere this year. No. If you're Atlanta, would you swap Matt Ryan for Goff in a draft pick? You gotta get them straight up. You're gonna have to give up the veteran, get a draft pick, get the younger quarterback. See what happens. I think so. Yeah. I'm 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 gonna have a hard time eating golf. You know. For one year. Right. For one year, you'll have to deal with him for one year. You get to try him out, see how he fits. If I'm gonna trade away my guy, I'm not taking golf back. I'm just gonna go ahead and and put a young plug a young guy in. But or somebody that could have a future. But if you're Atlanta or Detroit, isn't a one-year shot at golf and see how he does? Isn't that just the same as picking up any other young quarterback and give him a try? On where where the draft falls, you know, what, all of that stuff. I think it's an interesting thing to watch because a lot of stuff I saw at the end of that Rams game was McVay and Goff don't talk, McVay and Goff are getting along, and they both, you know, said the usual. We're fine, it's fine, you know, heat of the moment. Maybe but. he can ship golf to Houston with <laughs> yeah. every draft pick they have. Get Watson. Sean Watson. Oh, like, listen, the rest of our roster's good. We're, we're all set with the rest of our roster. We'll give you every one of our draft picks and Jared Goff for Sean Watson. So Mike Dick, a Ricky Williams trade. Absolutely. That I would offer as a Rams <laughs> team. Yeah. I'd be like, Take. everything. Every, I will push my every chip I have in this draft and, and Jared Goff so you have a, a formidable guy coming in there. Listen, you want to go back to Tom Savage? Go ahead. <laughs> Been there. Yeah, you've yeah. seen what that gets you. 
But here's Jared Goff and every one of my draft picks for Deshaun Watson. I don't know if it's enough. Do you think GMs are just waiting for Bill O'Brien to get on their job so they can steal from him? Bill O'Brien's going to be the offense coordinator for the Alabama, Alabama. Yeah, actually, I did see that this morning. On the staff with Doug Marone, who was officially hired as the offensive line coach in Alabama today. He's, he's a rehab facility. Are they? He brings the broken and the wounded in yeah. and gets them new jobs two years later. That offense has the biggest amount of dickhead coaches in the history of football. Steve Sarkeesian is a freaking drunk. <laughs> yeah. He's an absolute... Yeah. On the Hammered Sports Podcast, I'm calling somebody else a drunk. <laughs> but this guy lost his job at USC. He had problems at... Yeah, kicked off the plane, didn't he? Yeah. He had all kinds of issues. And we wish you the best. Absolutely. If he's even if he's not if he's still boozing, I don't care. He went to Texas and got a job there in Austin, <laughs> you know, yeah. leading the Longhorns, one of the top five jobs in the country. Yeah. And I thought he was untouchable. Yeah. I didn't think he was going to get another job like that. Lane Kiffin went there. Yeah. You know, everybody's like, this guy just won and done. He quits on everybody, and now he's an SEC head coach again. I wonder if he gets kickbacks from these guys. A land of misfit toys, baby. Does he get kickbacks or not? They get their next big gig. I don't know. I don't think it matters. I think that's like his he's legacy. Making, he's making so much money. Yeah. Care about that's his legacy, man. What was the last time? Jennifer Dable. When was the last? Yeah. When was the last time Nick Saban had to buy himself a meal in the state of Alabama? I wouldn't think very often, but does he even stay in Alabama in the winter? At when it's the off season? I don't know, but it would be I hard. I mean, yeah, college head coaches. What am I talking about? There? Yeah, he like. He's, why would you want to go anywhere else? But I mean, you're you're a god there. You're not yeah. like you're not like some guy. Yeah. You pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if hanging out in Tuscaloosa is all that fun. I'm not interested in going to Alabama at all. I am though seeing Auburn game. Though. But if you're Nick Saban in Alabama, it's a lot different than being Tom Abbey anywhere. Yeah, that's for sure. It's gotta be weird. Yeah. And you know, college football those things are deities. Yeah. So all right. Um quarterback cares other carousel thing. It's we going to be nuts this year. It, it's, it's a little fun every year, but I think this year it's going to be insane. Give me your boldest prediction for a quarterback change. I think Goff is my biggest one. I think that I think they're going to talk themselves into him being the problem and moving on. So you think no Goff with the Rams is your best shocker. Uh, I think that Matt Ryan lands in, in San Francisco. I, yeah, I mentioned this a couple of times. I I just have a, a strange feeling that Shanahan really liked working with Matt Ryan, and he would fit the mold there quickly for what they want to do, and that team would turn the corner fast. With a, you get everybody back from injuries uh, that they had this year. You get Boza back. You get, yeah, the defense got murdered. With oh, bad. They need, and then they can focus their draft efforts on the secondary and some of yep. the issues that they had there. I, I think that they can be a quick turnaround if they land in that line, but that's that's my bold prediction. All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break. Yep. Um, we'll come back in uh, just a few moments, and it'll be Championship Sunday, and then UFC. All right. Picks. Sounds good. We'll be right back, guys. Welcome back. Um, just a little bit left on the program tonight. UFC stuff and our wagers for the weekend, right? Yeah. First things first, do we want to break down the championship games first or UFC first? Let's talk UFC. All right. 
So uh, we're going to follow the format we did last week. We're just going to break down one of the prelim fights, one of the main card fights, and then we'll both talk about the main event together. Um, I'll get us started. My uh, prelim fight is going to be Juliana Pena versus Sarah McMahon. Uh, both these girls are really uh, have had a lot of good fights, important fights recently. Uh, Pena specifically is kind of in a spot in her career where she doesn't start stringing some wins together, though. Uh, it could be a real problem. Her last three fights, a loss to Valentina Shev, uh, Shevchenko, which is no really thing to be embarrassed about. Then she beats uh, Nico Montana, and then she loses to Jermaine Durandamy. Again, nothing to be ashamed of, but you have to start winning fights if you're going to be staying around. Uh, these divisions are getting very competitive. And Sarah McMahon won her last fight out against Lena Landsberg. The interesting part about this fight is going to be if it gets to the ground, how does it go? Yeah. Uh, when you look at Pena's record, she wins a lot of her fights by TKOs from punches. She's able to really beat up on people. Um, she's lost a few um, out of let's see her her four losses. Two are by her last most recent two are by submission, armbar, and guillotine choke, and then a decision. Um, so you have kind of a, a trend here that she can be on the ground and kind of dominate a little bit. And then you have McMahon, who has fought a lot on the ground. She likes to take it to the ground, which has caused her some issues. She's lost two of her fights to triangle chokes and one to a rear naked choke, but also has won by um, a couple triangle chokes and a couple decisions where the ground time is just crazy in her favor uh, in some of these. So I think you see a match of styles where Sarah McMahon's going to try to get her down and Pena's going to try to keep her distance and kind of you know knock her around. The odds of this fight are something that kind of piqued my interest. Uh, as I get back to that on here, right now McMahon is minus one thirty, and you can get Pena at even money. I like Pena in this fight. I think she's fought tougher competition, and I think in twenty twenty one fighters know enough or know how enough, unless you're fighting Khabib. Yeah. Then it's out the window. But fighters know how to stay out of those situations. You know, uh, they're very good at keeping distance, creating distance when you close, and getting up when you when you get down. So um, I don't give as much to the grap the strictly grapplers as uh, I used to. I like Pena plus even money on this one. All right. Um, so my prelim fight is uh, I'm going to go with Amir Elbazi, uh, who's taking on. Jalgas Jamagulov, that's how I say it, Jamagulov. Um, so, this is an interesting fight. Jamagulov, he has a little more experience against guys that you know, Tyson Nam, Ali Bogatinov. Uh, he's won some decisions against those guys. Uh, his last one, two, three, four, six, six fights have gone the distance. Um, he's never been submitted. And um, he has six KOs in his 13 wins. Um, his opponent, uh, who is uh, Amir Albazi, Albazi doesn't have the same kind of track record, the same type of guys uh, that you've seen, um, you know, Jamagulov take on. Uh, but he did start his, his UFC career, it looks like, with a, a triangle choke victory against Melvin Gordon. Uh, Albazi looks like he is really good on the ground. Uh, out of his 13 professional wins, 12 finishes, 8 of those submissions. So we've got, it seems like a, a classic case where 
Jamagulov's going to try to keep this on the feet, try to avoid that the danger of being on the ground. Um, Albazi is going to try to take it to the ground and get the finish on the ground. Um, so this is, I think this is going to be a really fun fight. Albazi is getting plus money on this fight at plus 102. Give me the guy who gets, who's so dangerous on the ground. And Jamagulov takes everything the distance. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Albazi can do on the ground and if he can go ahead and close out Jamagulov in this fight. All right. Um, so I'll go with my main card event. I got Dan Huber versus Michael Chandler. Uh, it should be a very fun fight. I think it's going to be the co-main, if I remember oh, correctly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Dan Hooker, yeah. I mean, Hooker and Chandler, Hooker's just a striker like crazy. Yes. Yeah, Chandler is a, a pretty well-rounded um, mixed martial artist coming in with 21 and 5 record. Uh, he's won five of his last six fights. This is his UFC debut, but he, he was dominant. Yes, he, including wins over Benson Henderson, who was a former yeah. champion in the UFC. Um, his one his one win recently was over Brent Primus. Uh, that's his real name, by the way. Who uh, he actually lost to earlier in his career. So avenge one of his losses, and is, re is really on a hot streak coming into fight Dan Hooker. Um, Michael Chandler is really well thought of. He was the Bellator light, lightweight world champion, and this is not a uh, cupcake of a first fight in the UFC. I know they were kind of building him up in the last pay-per-view, if you were watching. Yeah. Um, as, as a big ad for them, and Dan Hooker is a fun fighter. He's in a lot of fights that win fight of the nights and performance of the nights, and he throws down. Uh, recently lost to Dustin Poirier, but went the distance with him. He jumped in, you know, kind of in a, a pinch. Yeah. So to, to have that fight, so he's got wins over Vic and uh, Jim Miller, uh, Paul Felder, Eli Quinta. Like he, he's been there, done that. Um, so it's gonna be very interesting to see uh, Chandler against some of the. And again, right away against somebody from the UFC that's really good and uh, should be a good challenge for him. The fight number, Dan Hooker is, again, minus 130 and Chandler's even. Uh, I wouldn't say I know which way I would expect to lean on this fight. I do like the over uh, two and a half rounds. Both these guys kind of go the distance in yeah. both their fights. Um, even though it's just a three-round fight, I still think this one kind of goes the distance. Yeah. Um, so my uh, main card fight, which is not its not a big name fight, but we do have an undefeated prospect uh, in Atman Azatar fighting Matt. The best thing about this fight is uh, this guy's nickname. It's Matt the Steamroller Bravola. <laughs> so Bravola <laughs> comes into the fight 8-1-1. One, one. Um, his loss came to Marco Polo Reyes, who knocked him out one minute into round one. And... Uh, he had a draw against Lando Panada. He won decisions against Jalen Turner and Luis Pena. When I look at this fight, I feel like I don't feel like it's a big step up in class for a guy in Atman Azatar who just knocked out Kama Worthy in a minute 33. Uh, prior to that, he had a first-round knockout in 3:33, a first-round knockout in 32 seconds third round knockout, another first round knockout. He comes in on a five knockout win streak here. Um, this guy can throw punches, 10 knockouts in his 13 wins, two submissions. He's gone the distance just one time. Uh, his fight odds are on minus 159 right now. 
I love giving out juiced up numbers like that. Yeah. Minus 159 on a guy who I feel like is um, probably going to close the deal pretty quickly in this fight. Uh, give me Ottman Hazatar, minus 160, basically. And uh, I feel like, you know, this is a showcase opportunity for Hazatar to take a, a big step forward and a big step up in competition in his next fight. Um, you know, I, I would really like to see kind of where they go with him, you know. He fights in that 155-pound weight class, you know. You, you get to 14-0 in that 155 weight class, and, and you're talking about, um, you know, a, a crazy list of uh, fighters in that class right now. It, it, it feels like maybe one of the most loaded classes with, you know, Khabib, Connor, Poirier. You, you've got the whole gamut of those guys at the top. Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, who looks like a world beater. You know, Hooker, Dos Anjos, Paul Felder, Kevin Lee. It's just a, a absolutely stacked division. There's a ton of guys that he could get an opportunity against here coming up. Um, boy, Gregor Gillespie at 22 in the rankings. Hinting that he may have a fight coming up. Yeah. I mean, he needs to get back in that cage. It's been too long. Yeah. Gregor, if you're out there, we miss you. We do. Can't wait to see a fight again. So, this is an opportunity for Azatar to, to really get a big win, uh, a dominant win on the biggest card that they have of the year, really. Connor's the biggest draw that they have. So, when, when this fight happens, you have a dominant performance, you step him up, you know, maybe... Yeah, it opens things up for you. Maybe he gets the winner of Hooker Chandler. Be, yeah. You know, a, a dominant performance, maybe he gets that winner. So, uh, really, really good fight as far as watching a prospect and seeing how good you really is. And then we have the main event. Yeah. The rematch of Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. Uh, the first fight wasn't, you know, wasn't much. Conor caught Dustin early, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, you know, it happens when you have guys with uh, knockout power like Conor and you know, the endless amount of guys in this fight game that have it. Uh, we didn't really get to see too much of how it was going to go. It seemed like they were in the feeling out process and the bam. Yeah, you know, that tends to happen with Conor McGregor a bit. Yeah. So, you know, Conor, let's see, that fight was, what was the game? 2016. It was 2014. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, a minute 46 into the fight, he finishes him. It was it was pretty early in Conor's career. Um, he had, you know, up to that point, the biggest name that he beat Max Holloway prior to that. Yeah, Max um, Holloway wasn't the Max Holloway we all know and love now. And that went the distance, and Diego Brando. Uh, but this was kind of a launching board for yes. Connor uh, with that dominant win, um, where he then went on to fight Dennis Seaver, Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, Diaz, you know, fights that he had, Eddie Alvarez, and then Khabib, and of course his most recent fight, which was just over a year ago, where yeah. um, he finished Donald Cerrone in 40 seconds. So Yeah, it's interesting some of the stuff coming out of uh, Connor's camp recently. Uh, before the Cerrone fight, he was saying that he was embarrassed by the Khabib fight. He didn't take it serious enough. He was drinking up until, like, the week before. Just really not kind of like the, we, you know, the Connor that was really hungry fighting back when he fought Warrior the first time, honestly. Yeah. Um, and kind of took a step back regrouped, wanted to do it the right way, and wanted to fight three, four times last year, but with COVID and the mess that happened from that, uh, he kind of wasn't able to, and 
and he's saying now he wants to do that this year. He wants to get three, four fights in, and um, you know, obviously Dana White wants that because three, three or four Conor McGregor fights means three or four big paydays for the UFC. Right. Um, and obviously, we would all love to see him have a few big fights here uh, this year. But it all starts with this one. You, you got to win this one. You got to look good, and then other fights become a possibility. The big thing is, when you look at this matchup, if Conor's taking it serious, Poirier's susceptible to getting knocked out. He's been knocked out a couple of times. You know, he, he was knocked out by uh, Conor, and then he was knocked out by Michael Johnson. So you can get him. Yeah. But since that time, he had the no contest with Eddie Alvarez because of an accidental knee. Um, His last eight fights, he's only lost once, and that was to Khabib. Exactly. Which everyone loses to Khabib. Right. In including a win over Max Holloway, who looked like a world beater in his most recent fight. Yeah. Um, you know, knocked out Justin Gaethje. Yeah. I remember that fight. That fight yeah. was crazy. Submitted Anthony Pettis. I mean, you're talking about some big names that he's finished since then. Yeah. Pettis, Gaethje, Alvarez, Eddie Alvarez, and Max Holloway all in a row. Yeah. Well, those are some pretty impressive... Uh, the Pettis was a submission to a body triangle. Yeah. Well, you know, really, does this, in my mind, and I think everybody else's, this comes down to whether or not Connor's taking this super seriously. Uh, if his physique is anything to uh, give you a clue, he's shredded right now. Yeah. It's pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, his striking skills are, are stellar. <laughs> yeah. Um, if he's taking it seriously, which it seems like he is, uh, I, I think Conor McGregor comes out on top again. And then the odds would, would play that out. Uh, I have it at minus 330 for Conor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not much fun to get in on that. But no. And you can take a shot at Dustin plus 250. I mean, the guy's a heck of a fighter. I think he needs a few things to go his way yeah. to win this. He has to stay out of trouble early, especially. I mean, we've seen Conor be, like, he's been gassed before. Right. Uh, Diaz... Connor was teeing him up in the first couple of rounds. Couldn't put him away. Diaz just stayed around. Connor gassed. Um, so that's that's a possibility for him, but can you survive the first couple of rounds? That's tough for him. All right. NFC Championship game. Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Green Bay Packers. This is a rematch of a game that happened earlier this year where Tampa ran over the pack 38-10 yeah. in Tampa. So, is that an indication of what we're going to see this weekend? I mean, you, there's definitely things that... So, football's a game of adjustments, both in the game and from game to game, week to week. And I think you'll see the two teams kind of make adjustments on what they saw from that game. But it does show that there's some things that Tampa Bay can exploit on these Packers. Yeah, and, you know... Tampa Bay is getting three points in this game. Yeah, I have it at three and a half even. Yeah. So, it, it's interesting to see that people are kind of, they think that the teams are different than they were then. So, when you go back and uh, you look at that that game that they played earlier this season, Tom, mm -hmm. um, what would you what would you take away from that? Is there anything to really take away from that? Or is it something that you can completely forget about and, um, you know, basically just individually look at this and handicap it. I mean, the, the Buccaneers outgained them 324-201. The big thing was, to me, Tampa's defensive performance against the Packers. 
I think the thing that stands out is everyone was there. Green Bay had Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, yeah. and their offense only had 201 yards. Yeah. Total. Uh, granted, it was in Tampa Bay, and now we are in Green Bay, which we were just looking at the weather. Looks like it's going to be cold, a little snowy. doesn't look like too much snow, but it definitely could be an accumulation during game time. Hey, here's an interesting thing about that game. Green Bay was up 10 nothing. Yeah. And gave up 38 straight. They got rolled in the second quarter. Um, things just went completely sideways on them. And it feels like that is almost something you can be like, hey, listen, it just it got away from us for a few minutes sure. in the game, and then it was over. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that Green Bay is playing great right now, too. Yeah. Uh, they're playing great. They lost the turnover battle in that game. Um, Rodgers threw two interceptions. Uh, that kind of hurt them. Yeah. Tampa didn't turn it over at all. They do what they do. Yeah, and that's kind of in the MO of uh, Tampa, the success that Tampa has had this year. Um, and that it, it feels like they, when they don't turn it over and they run the ball a little bit, and, you know, even though they're not running it super well, super effectively, super efficiently, uh, they, they keep themselves out of trouble by doing that, and the play action game opens up. So, yeah, the line has moved to three and a half with this other book, too. So we're looking at, at both BetUS and BetDSI here. Um, you know, it's important to have multiple outs, folks, because you want to have different numbers if you can get different numbers. But yeah. um, for me, if you hold my feet to the fire on this, and I've got to pick both, all right, game mm -hmm. and over-under, I'm going to take Tampa plus three and a half. I'm going to take under 51. Yeah, I think... Um the under is what I'm looking at as well. Based on the weather, I think you have the combination of a couple things. You have a big, important game, which a lot of times, especially in pro ball, teams play conservatively. They don't want to make the big mistake, especially early on. Feel it out. There'll be a lot of running of the football. And with the weather being snowy and cold, I think you can see them. Tr everyone try to shorten the game and not make any mistakes early on. Uh, to get to 51 in a pro game, you, you Having one slow quarter where it's three nothing or something like that can really just end it. Yeah. So, you know, that I, I think the under is, is where I what I like most as well. Yeah. Um, but if I had to decide now that it's at three and I get that extra hook, you know, and I'd go ahead and take it. So, let's talk now. AFC Championship game. Your beloved Buffalo Bills playing in the AFC Championship game for the first time since. 1993. Well, 93. the 93 season, January 94. Yeah. Um, this is a rematch also from a game that happened earlier this season. Yep. Um, you had uh, the Chiefs going to Buffalo and win 26 17. Uh, in that game, uh, the Chiefs outgained Buffalo 466 to 206. Uh, Josh Allen passed for only 122 yards. Um, he did throw two touchdowns. Uh, he was also their leading rusher in the game of 42 yards rushing. Uh, Singletary rushed for 32, Moss for 10. Um, Diggs was limited to just six catches for 46 yards with the season he's having. That's that's really well done <laughs> by the Chiefs. Um, this was a, a weird situational spot, though, for Buffalo, right? Coming off yeah. that goofy week where they played, you know, Tennessee. On they Tuesday. didn't know when they were going to play on. Played, played Tennessee on a Tuesday. Played Kansas City on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, on Monday, it was just really weird how it all happened, and they were 
before the Tennessee game, they're game planning for both teams, and yeah. they were without Matt Milano, and uh, just a lot of weird stuff happened coming up to this game. Buffalo defensively schemed it up where they were going to try to, you know, if you can run the ball on us, go ahead, but we're going to try to take away the passing game. Yeah. And the eye test told you that they did take away the passing game, but that's because Mahomes didn't have any explosive plays, right? He was still 21 of 26 for 225 and two touchdowns in that game. Uh, super efficient numbers, no real um, turnover issues. Um, the big concern for me is that Edwards Hilaire ran for 161 yards on 26 carries. Averaged over six yards carry against Buffalo that day. Um, all the running backs uh, averaged over four yards per carry with Williams rushing for 4.3 yards per carry. Thompson 5.7, um, Edwards Hilaire 6.2. Uh, that to me is the the difference in this game. Buffalo doesn't really have a running game. Uh, the Chiefs were able to run the ball well that day. If Buffalo tries to, to squeeze down and stop the run, Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and all those guys are such dangerous weapons. Um, my play on this game is going to be the Chiefs. It's also going to be the over because I think that Buffalo's offense will make adjustments from what they saw last time. So it's Chiefs minus three and over for me. All right. That is it. That's a wrap. Um, really fun episode, Tom. I had a great time yeah. tonight. Um, we've got next week. Championship recap, obviously, of the two games. And uh, maybe a little bit su Super Bowl talk. Not too much. As, uh, we want to save that for the week before the Super Bowl with the week off. But NFL Senior Bowl preview. Uh, next weekend is the Senior Bowl. We'll talk a little bit about some people we're excited to watch and kind of give you some guys to keep an eye on. Yeah. Should be a good time. We're starting to get towards NFL draft scouting season. It's our favorite. We love the draft. Yes. All right, guys. We'll catch you all next week.